Apostles, bring your Bible. It's our gift to you. We want you to get in the book, okay? We want you to study the Word, know the Word, uh, grow in the Word. David said, uh, Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, that, that sin word. Here we go, okay? That simply means to miss the mark. I've got your word in my heart, so I'll stay on track with your course for my life. And a lot of us wander through life and we constantly end up off course in life. Why? Well, because we don't have the word. We don't know what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, come into situations. I don't know about you. Have you ever ran into a situation where you weren't sure what to do? Man, I have. You know, almost, almost daily. Sometimes when I'm talking to you, I look out there and think, I don't know what to do. You know, well, I've got to get back in the Word. Okay, thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against it. Get in the book. It'll help you. There are some moments coming in your future. Okay, in your future. Well, I've really wandered off the trail in the past. I don't care about the past. Okay, the past, you, you, this is one of my favorite sayings. You cannot alter your past, but you can take your past to the altar. Okay, leave your past there. We don't care about your future. We're looking at, or, or about your past. We're looking at future. I almost said that wrong. You know, we, we, don't, we don't care about the past. It's future. How am I going to stay on course in my future? According to the word. Amen. Get in the book. Look, somebody tell them again. Get in the book. You got your Bible with you? I'm going to have you stand up one more time this morning. Hold that Bible up. We're going to make a confession together. Some of you guys are going, what is all this? Up and down. Just do it. You'll grow. Okay. okay. Hold the Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. See, I've got an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord one more big praise. Amen. Father, we love you. Amen. Aren't you glad God's on your side? And then I just do something for you. You know, I got to tell you, I'll tell you, right up front, I hate snowy days. Okay? On the weekend, it can snow all week, but on Sunday? Come on, that's the devil. And he's trying to keep people out of church. I don't like snowy Sundays, but I love the fact that you're here today. Okay? You're faithful to the house of God. You're going to grow, and God's going to bless you a hundredfold because you came on a snowy day. Praise God. Man, you know, David had a guy that, yeah, David, David was an incredible warrior. Yeah, you, you, you get in there and start studying the life of David, you find this guy was awesome. Uh, but yeah, he had guys on his team who were way more awesome than he was. You know, the, we know that David slew a lion and a bear. David had a dude on his team that went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Okay, now, now remember, the, da- the lion that David killed was after the sheep when he was a shepherd. So the, David came to sh- to da- uh, or the lion came to, to David's ground, and David defeated him on his home turf. But the guy that served David went into a pit. On a, he went to the lion's ground on a bad day and came out with victory. Okay, that guy was bad to the bone. The anointing he had on him to do that was because he did it on a snowy day. You're here on a snowy day. God has a special blessing for you today. Amen. Okay, praise God. I just feel it burning in me. <laughs> Trying to get your game ready. We're not talking about Super Bowl. We're talking about life. Amen. Amen. I said we're talking about life. Everybody say life. life. You know what's sad is so many people go through life and never live. Some of you are in the room. <laughs> You're looking at me like that. Like, don't touch me. <laughs> hey. God wants you to have 
an enjoyable life. He, he, I'm talking life. You know, one, one man said that the glory of God is seen when man truly experiences life. You know, and if you really stop and think about it, you know, it, it seems like, well, that, that seems like a weird way to put the glory of God to define it. No, when, when man really connects to the purpose he was created for, when he's actually living the victory life that he's been called and equipped to live, when he's not existing, we're not talking about inhaling and exhaling. We're talking about really making a difference, really fulfilling a destiny, really having life. You know what's crazy is that a lot of us are under the impression that Jesus came to forgive us. And we, 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 we need forgiveness, trust me. Look at your neighbor and say, I forgive you. Okay. Okay, we need forgiveness. Some of us need it really bad, and some of us need it right away. <laughs> we're, in, we're in deep need of forgiveness, but Jesus didn't come to forgive. John 10, 10, he said, I have come that you might have life. See, we live as if Jesus came to forgive us, period. No, he came that we might have life. And it says life abundant. The Amplified Bible says, Jesus, uh, I have come that you might have and enjoy life. Do you realize if you ever connected to the life, that God's created you to have, that you would actually enjoy it? I mean, you'd wake up every morning going, oh, thank God it's another day. Instead of going, oh, God, another day. <laughs> you, you know, if you connect to the life that God has, you, you almost have to backslide to go to bed at night. You, 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 you would be so enthused about life. But what, what we've done is uh, we, we've kind of disassociated ourselves from real life because we, we, we've been talked out of it. We, we've, we, we've come up against confrontation, against opposition. We, we, we deal with stuff that hurts. We deal with pain. We deal with disappointment. We deal with failure and with defeat. And so we, we step back and we decide maybe we'll just, we'll just accept something a little bit easier. And the life that Jesus was talking about is probably eternal life. It's probably eternal. It's, it's the life after. That's, that's the life he wants me to have. You know, thinking that Jesus came simply for eternal life would be like your husband giving you a ring and, 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 and a ceremony, but telling you, but marriage is going to be for retirement. Well, what about now? Oh, well, you're on your own. See you when the kids are gone. Now, life doesn't start when you die. It starts today when you get life. It is so sad to watch people who have been connected to the king of the universe struggling with depression and hurt feelings and sad moments and their decisions and direction of life are dictated by Failure and defeat and loss. Oh, come on, God. Some, somewhere along the line, we've lost heart. We've allowed ourselves to be separated from the real purposes of God. We, you know, whatever picture we have in our mind when we think of God and church, you know, whatever comes up, it, it's not a true picture of what God really had in mind. And so we're, we're making it. You know, our, our prayer life comes down to, you know, help me make it through the night. I don't care what's right or wrong. It's, it's burning in me today. <laughs> God wants us excited and enjoying life. It, we need a desire 
that'll pull us through the stuff. You know, that, that the enemy has tried to, to bombard us with. A desire that'll develop enough discipline to cause us to reach the point where we really delight in honoring God. When you really live life, that's how you honor God. Oh, hear me. I said, when you're really living life, that's how you're going to honor God. When you rise up in the morning and, and, and you know victory is right outside my front door. I'm going to go get it. Nothing's going to stop me. Isn't it sad that the price of gas or the weather, increase of interest at JCPenney's has the ability to suck the life out of you? Man, this thing that God's wanting to connect you to is so much bigger than that. You know, we, we got we to get ourselves passionate about life. You know, hell is doing everything it can to stop you. Why? Why, why would every demonic force be coming up again? Why would there be so much opposition... Why would there be so much pressure, so much warfare? Well, because you, you have an enemy who realizes that if you ever cross the line, if you ever really connect to life, suddenly you become an incredible threat to the kingdoms of darkness. You know, it ain't about church attendance, you know, only. It's not about, you know, uh, being a good guy, a nice guy, uh, having a bumper sticker and a t-shirt and a family-sized Bible. It's not about that. It's about connecting to life that causes you to walk through junk and not be manipulated by any of it. Where you see it like somebody else doesn't. You know, where, where, where there's, a, there's a visual that has you locked on, that, that pulls you through the challenges and the circumstances that would normally wipe you out. And you got that weird look on your face. I mean, there are days when the smile's wiped off your face, but it just can't pull the joy that's rooted in your heart from you. It's because you, you have connected to life. That's what this is about. Jesus did not come to forgive you, period. The Bible says if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive. You know, to forgive you only took a second. But to lift you up out of the miry clay, to set your feet upon a rock, get you back on firm foundation. Put a new song in your heart. Even praise unto your God. Guys, I'm talking scripture to you. Just quoting scripture. Jesus came down to demonstrate that kind of life. Here's a guy that's walking through every day knowing where he's headed. Knowing what's coming. It, you know, the, the cross was not a shock to Jesus. You understand that, right? He knew what was going to happen. He knew that people were out to, to kill. He knew, he knew where he was headed. And, and he walked through there. You know, teaching the guys, hey, this is my commandment, love one another. Why? You know, I mean, have, have you stopped to consider how, how he could go through life knowing that, you know, in a couple of years they're going to nail me to a tree, but before I get there, I've got to tell you some stuff now. Man, that's, you know, it's a little bit different story. You know, that 
than the one that we kind of perceive and see in our mind. Well, I want life to be easy. I don't want there to be loss. I don't want there to be pain. I don't want there to be confrontation. That's called heaven. You know, in the sweet by and by. What a glorious day that will be. In the sweet by and by. What about the nasty here and now? We, I need some victory here. I, I, I need some vision here. I need some purpose here. You know, here, here's a thought. I mean, just, just think about this. Here, this is crazy. You know, some of us think that to pray the Lord's Prayer is to quote a poem. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That sounds cool, don't it? <laughs> but not, not that. It, a, prayer, the, a prayer is an intense desire. You know, 3 John, verse 2, uh, it says, my, my desire, my greatest desire, this is what I pray, is that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He's talking about an intense desire. This isn't just a poem I read about you at night. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm living my life to see you prosper in life. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it, what we should be saying is, my desire is so great that thy kingdom come in my life. That thy will be done. Now, here's, here's the deal for you. See, that's life. If we could get this kind of passion. But here's the problem. Do you know how many people struggle understanding the will of God for them? I don't, I don't know what God's will for my life is. See, if the enemy can keep you confused about the will of God for your life, you know, how, how am I going to make it through this day? Then you'll never really connect to his will on earth. Thy will be done. On earth, hey, in the environment I live in, God, I'm committed to your will. Well, how can you be committed to his will if you're not even sure what, you know, you're supposed to do? We're, we're living way too small. We've allowed stuff to contain us, to squeeze us down, to squish us, to squash us, to, to push us into the dirt. No, 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 no. It's time to get up on our feet and start walking and, and doing God's will in the earth. Well, I thought if God's will needed to be done, he'd do it. Well, he's going to through you. Look at the guy sitting next to you and say, man, I'm glad you're here. You really need this. <laughs> okay. Picture the post-game celebration. You ever been to one? You have a post-game celebration? Maybe you've seen it on TV. Uh, the post-game celebration. The team's just won. They're, they're in the locker room. Everybody's high-fiving, you know, snapping each other with the towels. They, they, they're dirts everywhere, bruises, blood's flowing, and they're just all excited. You know, you know the, the, the Super Bowl teams, they're different than, than, than some of the other teams. You realize that, right? That by the time the guys get to the Super Bowl, man, they are beat up. They got guys out there playing with cracked ribs, broken collarbones, dislocated shoulders. You know, they, 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 they've taped these guys back together and given them shots so they can't really feel too much pain and pushed them back out there on the field. <laughs> Go get them, Tiger. You know, it's an it's A-level a, a mentality. They're playing through some pain here. Okay. You know what's crazy is that, you know, you got 175,000 people in desperate need of exercise, watching 22 men in desperate need of rest, and, and, and when the game's over, we say, we won! What do you mean, we won? They did it. <laughs> we didn't do anything. We sat in the stand and ate hot dogs. And, you know, <laughs> I'm somebody to go down, get me a cotton candy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a winner. <laughs> no, no, no. We got to get in the game. See, the post-game celebration is a blast. There's moments during the game that are exhilarating. But how many realize practice is a different story? Practice bites. Same thing over and over and over and over again. Same drill. Same, same thing. You got the guy screaming and spitting in my face, telling me what to do. I really don't need somebody telling me what to do. I know what to do. I've done this a thousand times. Don't yell at me again. Yeah, you got to do it again. Practice bites. We say we want victory. Let me just ask you, how many want a life of victory? That is a life of battle. Pull it back down. <laughs> I don't need no life of battle. But what's a life of victory? It, you can't have victory without battle. Shucks. <laughs> Man, a life of victory without battle is a fantasy that we've created. We've even tried to convince you that if you give a big enough offering, you won't have to battle. So God's like a vending machine, right? You put in the right amount, pull the right lever, you get what you want. Uh-uh. That ain't no vending machine. God can't be bought. You're going to go to war whether you like it or not. Anything good in life, you're going to have to fight to get it. You know, dead, negative, ugly stuff, that comes free. Go stand on the bridge, watch the water go by. Any dead thing can float downstream. But you're going to go upstream, go against the current, you're going to have to have some life. You're going to have to face some stuff. That You're going to have to invest some energy, some, you know, this mentality that we got, that being a Christian, being a Christ follower, is going to church on the weekend, hanging out in the pew, sitting there, you listening to us sing, you watching other people praise, because that's just not my thing, I'm not like that. Uh, you know, what are you, you're coasting through the church service. Chances are, in reality, and, you know, hey, don't get mad, or actually, I don't care, go ahead, get mad. Uh, it's, it's a Super Bowl mentality, so we can, we can, I can deal with it. You can, you, can, you can be upset with me, but can I tell you the truth? Life's a battle. Read your book from cover to cover. It goes from one warfare to another. And, and you know, and, and my, my, my upbringing, my, my background, yeah, I've been in church my entire life. They, and they had me in a corner somewhere trying to teach me to be nice. It didn't even work. <laughs> now be nice. Turn the other cheek. Well, that's with each other. But the life God's called me to live is demonstrating an enemy's defeat on a daily basis. I don't need to be nice. I, I need to be passionate. I need to have some desire. I need to be a threat to the powers of darkness. My life needs to make a difference. Hello, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to get in the game. We got to go for the gold. Last week we read the scripture. We won't spend too much time here today, but look at it with me one more time. 1 Kings twenty two forty eight. We'll put it on the board for you. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not for the ships were broken at Ejon Geber. Jehoshaphat's the king. The king created vessels to go for gold. The king has created you a vessel to go for the gold. You've been created for the gold. Go get it. Go get it. Yeah, this weird mentality that that, that, that that must be for somebody else is not about you. You have been created for gold. Get the backbone 
to go get the gold. Look at your neighbor and say, please, you say it because they're mad at me right now. Look at your neighbor and say, get a stinking backbone. <laughs> Stop allowing yourself to be talked out of the gold that God's created you for. The word Ejon Geber, two words. It means backbone. These ships didn't make it. They didn't have a backbone to face the storm that prevented them from their gold. If you're going to get the gold in life, if you're going to connect to life, you're going to have to have a backbone to face the storm. You have to rise up and say, I'm not going to exist. I'm going to live. I'm not going to just try to get myself forgiven. I'm going to try to live the life God's called and created me to live. It's worth the effort. I'm not going to sit around being depressed and caved in and sucked up because uh, I got the, you know, the same problems everybody else has. No, I'm going to rise up to a level of victory where, I, where when people look at me, they go, my God, God is alive. Look at that guy. He has the same challenges. You know, some of you think that we don't have any challenges. Of course we do. I got teenagers. You know, I got bills. I got the, you know, the same stuff, the same demons chasing you, chasing after me. We got the same issues. Let's walk through life with victory, though. Come on, let's get the backbone to face the storm. Say, you know what? Nothing's going to stop me. Tired of listening to people. Tell me it can't be done. Those who are shouting that can't be done ought not to interrupt the people who are doing it. Right? Get a backbone. Face the storm. Go after life, man. Refuse to just push for nice. The goal that God set in front of you isn't nice. The goal God set in front of you is victory. It's life. It's making a difference. It's changing the environment you've been dropped into. It is exhilaration. Thank you for that incredible response. We, we got to stop living like we've been, been held back a couple of years. <laughs> That's kind of how we live. Like, huh? <laughs> you know, the way, the way I'm going at this, I might not build a great big church, but we will be strong. <laughs> Might not be thousands of us, but the ones that are there are going to be mature. <laughs> you know, if you, if, if you picture maturity, you know, that first the baby's born, then it goes into adolescence, then it goes into the teen years, then it grows into maturity, right? I mean, that's what we're hoping for. When you bring the baby home, you know, you feed the baby, you feed the baby, you feed the baby. You put the bottle in the baby's mouth, you put the bottle in the baby's mouth. If you're having to part the whiskers to get the bottle in, maybe you've been bottle fed too long. You know, if, if, if all you ever get, let me just say this to you, and, uh, you, you got to have a mentality, you got to have a revelation, you got to wrap your brain around the reality that going to church is not going to make you spiritually mature. You, you don't just, well, then I'm not going anymore. Well, see, that's how immature we are. This is, the, this is the starting place, and then you go to the next place, to the next level, you, and you carry with you what you've got, but you keep, you keep growing. See, Christ-likeness, to be a Christ follower, the goal, the ultimate goal is to be Christ-like, right? To be Christ-like means to be like Christ. Christ-likeness is not an individual sport, right? It's a team sport. You know, you, you gotta, you know, you're gonna be game ready. You gotta be team ready. You're gonna be team ready. You gotta go to practice, right? You gotta, you gotta go through the, through the stuff. But, but you don't just hang out at practice. Someday you actually go down and get on the field, right? Why? Because we've our city now. Someday we gotta grow. We gotta get beyond the, the, the little things. We gotta move on to heavier, weightier things. We gotta, we gotta get to more deep things. We got, we gotta find a process to grow ourselves up. 
You know, you do not want to see yourself down the road, you know, spiritually coming to church, putting your bib on so Pastor Tom can feed you. Right? You want to be strong. You know why we don't have victory in the church on an individual basis? Because we don't want to grow on an individual basis. We don't want to take responsibility. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to take ownership of this thing. We want God to do it for us. Send angels to do what you've created me to do. Hello? Don't live like you're held back. Live like you got some smarts. I know what the book says. You know, you get on the team and they help you for a while and they're coaching you and they're, you know, and they're, you, you know, you're going through calisthenics with everybody, but pretty soon they hand you a playbook. And if you ever expect to take the field, you better learn the plays. Why? Because when they call out that play, you've got to know what to do. Why? Because if you don't do it, the whole team's going to lose. See, the victory that God's calling you to, it ain't just about you personally. It's about the team. Why? Because he's got a team mentality. He can't help it if you don't. He's got a team mentality. And so he needs you to know the play. He needs you to know what to do. He needs you to understand how you're supposed to respond when life treats you unfair. He needs you to know what to do when hard times happen in your situation. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. You know? uh, in this world, there should be tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You've got an overcoming life now operating inside of you. You've got life abundant, life in the excess, more than you need. Why? So when people get up against you, they get what's on you, on them, what's on you, life. Right? But you've got to know what to do. You've you got to get yourself in the game. Hello? I said you've got to get yourself in the game. How do I do that? You face your storm. There's always a storm that's going to separate you from the goal. You get the backbone to face the storm. Look at this with me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 9. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Let's stop there for just a minute. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. We, we quote this all the time. But can I, can I just submit this thought to you? It is a reality that fear is real. Three hundred and sixty-five times in your Bible it says, "Fear not, be not dismayed, be of good courage." It, it deals with the issue of fear. Three hundred and sixty-five times. That's one for every day of the year. Why? Why would the angel of the Lord show up and say, "Fear not"? Well, because people were scared. You know, there's the other side of the coin. It sounds good. Fear not. That sounds great. The other side of that coin is it's going to get scary. Jehoshaphat, great guy in the Bible, the, in the Chronicles chapter 20, you know, the armies gathered together against him. Some scholars say that the odds against him were 10,000 to 1. How many of you know that when the odds are 10,000 to 1 against you, it can be scary? The Bible says that they, they, they greatly feared. They didn't just fear, they greatly feared. And you've got to realize that biblical term, the word great, you know, when it talks about a great storm or a great calm, the word great is not like we think of great. That word great is where we get, you know, the word mega. It's actually the Greek word mega which is huge, massive. You know, a great storm was a hurricane. You know, it wasn't just the wind was really blowing. It was a hurricane, okay? It was a mega. It's not, you know, we're so used to Wendy's. You, you want mega fries with that? What's that? Seven more french fries. No, mega is huge. And it said he, he, he greatly feared. He had mega fear to deal with. But he said, this thing's bigger than I am. It's stronger than I am. But my eyes are on you, God. See, here's our issue is we've taken our eyes off of God. We've been distracted by issues and by circumstances, by challenges, by life. You know, when we, when we, when we say the word life, we see junk and we don't want no more life. What has the enemy done? He successfully detached you from the thing that Jesus came to connect you to. 
Oh, hello? Hear me? Jesus came to connect you to life. The enemy has disguised life with junk, and you're pushing away from life because of the fear. Well, where did the fear come from? It's a demonic force trying to separate you from what God's trying to connect you to. He's given you this, God has given you the spirit of power. 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 Man, you're having a hard time dealing with your Aunt Susie. You're struggling with words that somebody said to you 15 years ago. You're mad because the neighbor's dog barks at night. You're up, you know, you, 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 it's hard to deal with joy. Why? Because we've been so separated from life. We, we're dealing with the wrong issue. Where's the power? Where is the power? Well, it's right there, but there's a storm trying to separate you from it. You, you got to deal with this intimidation. See, instead of, instead of allowing hell to intimidate you, you got to rise up and be intimidating to hell. I got news for you. Hell's having a meeting right now about you. What are we going to do if this guy, this woman, wraps their brain around these realities? What are we going to do if somebody realizes that, 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 that instead of looking at themselves, when they look to God, what are we going to do when they realize, uh-oh, that guy has power, not fear? Oh, listen, they're going to change your life, not, not for a day, forever. Forever. When you realize, you know what? When the devil looks at you, he does not see a big old hairy loser. He does not see somebody who's messed up everything that he's ever touched. He sees, he doesn't see your DNA. When God looks at Shelly Palmer, you know, God sees the DNA of God in Shelly Palmer. When your enemy looks at Shelly Palmer, he doesn't see Shelly Palmer and her little idiosyncrasy. He sees God's DNA and he's going, I got to separate her from the knowledge of who she is. Because if she ever realizes that the power of God is at her fingertips, oh, no. Hello. He has given you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, a good, sound, disciplined mind. What's going to happen when we connect with that is we're going to become a threat to darkness. You've got to face the storm. No fear. You know, look, throw the t-shirt away. And get a mentality that says, you know what? I'm going to trust God. No, you know, some of us have tried this for 24 hours. 24 hours ain't enough. You, you need to give them 30 days. You know, the, the, the position you're in that's taken you 29 years to get to, give God more than 29 minutes to lead you out of there. And just say, you know what, I'm going to give God 30 days. I'm, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to do what God's word tells me to do. I'm going to give God 30 days to change my life. Because if you don't get past this spot, something has hung us up. Something has stopped us. We've come up against something that's kept us from moving forward. And we've got to get past that. Right? I want to get in the game. I'm, wet, I'm ready to face my storm. What do I got to do? Well, I got to get past that spot. Look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We read these last week, but I, I just want to read a couple of verses to you from the, from the message. It says, then he asked Jesse, is this it? Remember, uh, the prophets got all the sons coming by. We're looking for the king now. And, and, and uh, seven brothers have already gone by. And he says, is this it? Are there no more sons? Is this it? Is this all you got? Well, yes, there's the runt. I love the message. We've got the runt. See, that, 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 that's how many of us see ourselves. The runt. 
The one that's not strong enough to do what's been set up in front of us. The one, the one that doesn't have enough connection to, to the power of God to really make a difference. The one that can't seem to get peace in the house down just right. The one that messes up. I'm, I'm the guy that messes everything up. I'm the guy that instead of believing God for the promise, I better just settle for what I've got and not stir the pot up too much. No, no. Hey, you ain't the runt. You're the child of God. Hello? You realize... You realize that the greatest challenge you'll ever face, you've already won. Now, we're adults, right? I mean, if your children are in here with you, we, we offer children's church. I don't care that they're here, but I'm going to say something that might, you might, you know, might want to check out your kid for a minute. Just, I, I don't think it'll harm them for life, but... Uh, just think about this for just a minute. Millions and millions of sperm racing for one egg. You're the winner. Hello? I mean, Boston Marathon is, is a tiny little event in comparison to the race that you've already won. You're the one. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the one. Well, if God is really God, don't you think he knew that you were going to win that race? See, you got an enemy that doesn't want you to see yourself as a winner. He wants you to see yourself as a mistake. He wants you to see yourself as a runt. You're not the runt. You're the child of God, the anointed of God, the blessed of God. Look, we've got the runt, but he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he gets here. Listen to me. You ain't moving from the spot you're at until you show up. You're not going to the next level of life until you start living the life you got. You're not like a runt, not like a loser. You've you got to take your place. Look at the next verse, verse 12. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in the very picture of health. Shut up. The very picture of health. I thought he was the runt. Well, that's what we've told everybody. That's what the enemy's told you. You're the loser. Oh, you're the very picture of health. Wait a minute. I thought he was broken. No, no, no. He's been restored. Some of you feel broken, but according to the Word of God, you've already been restored. Some of you feel sick, but according to the Word of God, you've already been healed. Some of you feel like a loser, but you've already been forgiven. Some of you feel like you're going under, but you already have been given the victory. You're not the right. You're the very picture of health. Bright-eyed and good-looking. Somebody say, that's me. You know, they did a study. They did a government study, paid for the study with your tax dollars. <laughs> Go figure. And, and, uh, and they studied, and, and do you realize in America, one out of every three people, this is an actual study, one out of three people in America are drop-dead gorgeous? The, your, your tax dollars paid for that study? Look at the guy on your left. Just look. Look at the guy on your right. It ain't either one of them. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> he was brought in the very picture of health. Bright eyed, good looking. And God started talking. He said, up on your feet. Up on your feet. Anoint him. This is the one. Get up on your feet. That's what God's saying to us today. What are you doing down there? Stand up. What, what are you doing? Get on your feet. Get your feet back under you again. 
Come on now, rise up. Quit laying down. Rise up. The anointing is going to come when you get on your feet. You, you, here's the deal. is You need the anointing. You need to not run from the Holy Spirit. You need to run to Him. What will the anointing do? The anointing will do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. It'll change you into a super believer. You will have the ability to leap buildings in a single bound. You know, bullets are going to bounce off of you. Why? Because the anointing of God's on you. Man, you need the anointing. But you ain't going to get it sitting there. You've got to stand up and start moving. You don't need anointing if you're just going to hang out down there in that low life. You don't even need God down there. Remember Matthew 10, he said, I want you to come up to a high life, but you've got to let go of the low life first. He who is not willing to let go of the low life will lose out on it, the high life. God's got a higher life for you, but you don't even need the power of God to live the low life. I'm hoping that this kind of drops in your spirit for just a minute. I'm almost done. It's time, but, but, but listen to me. If you're going to live a low life, what do you need God in there for? I want God to fix it. I want my wife to change. I want the children to obey. I want my boss to give me a raise. I want my neighbor to move away. I, I want, hello. So really, what you want everything, everybody else to do stuff without your participation. No, I'll help the neighbor move. <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> See, if you're not willing to participate, then your opinion doesn't matter. You don't have the right to opinion if you're not going to participate. You don't really have the right to share an opinion of life unless you're going to participate in life. Don't you be whining and complaining. You, you, you're not allowed to complain about that which you're willing to permit. And if, you, if you've been broken and beat up and you're hurting and you're suffering and, and life has been mean to you, you, you know what? You've allowed it, so stop your whining. Pastor, don't you care? Yes, I do care. It drives me crazy. I lay awake at night trying to find ways to pull you up to your feet. Yeah, I care. But I do get kind of tired of listening to people whine about stuff that they're willing to permit. Come on, do, do something about it. Get up on your feet. Get anointed. You're the one. Look, look at the next verse. Verse 13 and we're done. Look at this. Samuel took the oil, anointed him with his brothers standing around watching there's people always who will stand around watching, and there's other people who will stand up and get anointed. Okay? People are going to watch. And the Spirit of God, look at this. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. If you can wrap your mind around the reality that God has life for you, if you are not absolutely pumped about life, then there must be something that God has because that you haven't got yet. Because the life that God wants you to be connected to is a life that will keep you awake all night. It's a life that, that, that is exhilarating, that's exciting, that's, in, that's enthusing, that, that's contagious. He's got a life that's going to cause you to run through problems and, and just to demonstrate the enemy's defeat. He, there is a, there's something God wants you to have. And if you'll get on your feet and get past the spot that has kept you held back and you connect to the anointing of God, it's not going to change you for a minute. It's going to change you for the rest of your life. Amen. That's the life God's wanting you to have. It ain't going to make you nice. It's going to make you effective. 
All you got to do is open your eyes, man. You, you got to say, God, I, I don't see it. We do not live by the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, because the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Notice that the Bible, in King James there, does not say the things that are invisible. It says the things that are unseen. It's not invisible. It's just unseen. What does that mean? It means you haven't seen it. Things are not always as they appear. Why? Because you haven't seen everything. You haven't seen it. What have you seen? You've seen the problem. You've seen the, the opposition. You've seen the warfare. You, you've seen a society that has sold out and caved in. You, you've seen even church. Let's put responsibility where it's due. You've even seen church where we've made about rules and regulations that we're more like a bowling league than we are a, a group of believers demonstrating the enemy's defeat. We need to see the reality of the gospel that he came to give you life why so that you could demonstrate death's defeat it ain't about dying it's death death is not not breathing remember what does the word death mean separated you know you have a loved one that dies it's not like it's over for them it's a new beginning but the death, the hard part is the separation that we have because we're no longer with him. We're separated. But only for a moment. Death has lost its sting. Why? Because we have an eternal factor to bring into the scene. What is sad is that many of us have so much death in life, we're separated from so much of what God has. See, remember the, the, the prodigal son, the, the boy went off, he took the money, headed off, and he, he wasted the money. But when it came time to come home, he, he, he came to his right mind, he headed back for the house. His father saw him coming afar. He said, give me a coat, give me a ring, kill the fatted calf, for this is my son who was dead, but is alive again. Well, obviously he wasn't dead, the, the way we think of death. He, was, he wasn't separated in life. He was separated from life. He was separated from his father. Now he's being Reconnected. See, the death that's apparent in our life is, is Jesus came to give you life. Well, the enemy's trying to separate you from that life. What would that separation be called? It'd be called death. You have areas of life that are actually dead. Well, we're breathing. You know, we're existing. We're making it through the day. We're, we're trying to be nice to our spouse and treat the kids right and, you know, work hard and we're trying, but we're not really living. Well, if we're not really living, what are we? We're dead. That's what revival's about. Revival's about reconnecting us to life. Reconnecting us to life. Darn it, I'm out of time. Let me tell you something. God can do in a moment. Just a moment. When the power of God just comes into your life, He can do in a moment what you can get done in 40 years. But you, on your own, separated from it. You can spend your lifetime trying to accomplish what God could do in just a couple of seconds. But you couldn't get it done. Why couldn't you get it done? Because you ain't got what it takes to do it. But He does. I said He does. I'm going to ask you to close your books, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want the worship team to come back. We're seeing.